0: Thank God together for all that he's doing. And it's good to acknowledge answers to prayer as well. Last weekend was Resurrection Sunday, and we had an amazing time together in God's presence here at Grace. And we were praying also for the churches around Auburn. And I want to tell you because texting last Sunday with the different pastors and then gathering together for lunch this week, it was so good for my soul to see and hear all the stories and to see all the encouraged pastors around Auburn sharing what God has done. And beyond that, around the sound too, God is doing something special right now, amen? And it didn't stop on Resurrection Sunday, it continues today and we're growing together in our faith. This is a series on the kingdom of God. And today we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 21. It's a parable that Jesus brings that really highlights the difference between talkers and doers. Talkers and doers. And we want to be doers of God's word and some different things that are happening as we're growing in our faith in this series. We started praying in the community center, the community room. if you leave these doors and just keep going in that direction right before you leave there 's a community room at eight o'clock so if you 're someone who's thinking, you know what? I wanna join with other people because a lot happens on Sunday. I wanna start that day with prayer. Then eight o'clock, come join us in the community room for prayer as we pray already for what God's gonna do today. Another thing that the Bible says is to get growing and built up in your faith and training. So we have a training time. Uh, It's a time of intentionally growing and living out in practical ways, building up the kingdom and it's called increase your impact because as you've been hearing about God's kingdom, God has maybe been stirring in you. You know, I think there's something else that God has for me. So we're gonna get together on Zoom because that's convenient for people. I'm gonna lead a time of training. It's the 26th, so in about 10 days, it's a Wednesday night at seven, more info to come. But again, it's another opportunity to keep growing in our faith together. Today, we have an opportunity, again, we're doers of God's word, God's words clear in James chapter 5, have the elders available for prayer and will anoint with oil and pray, and God moves, God heals, God transforms. So at the end of this message, you'll have an opportunity to come forward for prayer, and the elders will be ready to pray with you and pray for you. Does that sound good? Okay. Uh, We're walking by faith together. This is the church family. We're trusting Jesus, and faith is at the core of what we do. Let's pray. God, thank you for each person that's here today. God, in person, Uh, also connected online. We know there are some that physically can't make it here, some that are traveling in our church family, some that might have a kid that's sick or lots of different circumstances. But God, we are gathering together with one voice of praise, one heart, one body together right now in this room. Thank you for the unity you already give us, God. And we pray that we would guard that unity as well. And God, we're listening to you today. We're listening to you today. Jesus, we know your calling and we're listening. We're seeking, we're hearing, we're ready. We want to worship you with our actions. We pray in your name, Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus is calling, and Jesus is calling through a no-nonsense parable. In Matthew chapter 21, the context is that Jesus has already gone into the temple and overthrown the tables. Why? because there are people that are ripping other people off and Jesus makes it clear, this house is not gonna be a den of robbers, but will be a house of prayer. Jesus is in a mode that's very straightforward, very direct. And this parable brings it, if you like things that are clear and straightforward, this is gonna be your parable in the series because they don't miss what Jesus is saying here and it's very direct. He's talking to a large crowd outside the temple, a wide range of people, and they're tuned in to what Jesus is saying. There's a lot of self-righteousness. And Jesus is bringing the difference between religion and the kingdom. There's a big difference and a big gap between just being religious and the kingdom of God. And this parable is one that Jesus is highlighting faithfulness. Faithfulness is what Jesus is all about. And we're going to focus on four truths today. Out of this parable, on faithfulness. And there's two levels. In these parables, you know, parables are stories that have profound spiritual meaning. And there are often two levels. There's a literal and there's a spiritual. There is the fruit and there is the root. And Jesus is uncovering both in this parable. So let's take a look at Matthew chapter 21, starting in verse 28. What do you think? There was a man who had two sons. He went to the first and said, son, go and work today in the vineyard. I will not, he answered, but later he changed his mind and went. Then the father went to the other son and said the same thing. He answered, I will, sir, but he did not go. Which of the two did what the father wanted? The first, they answered. That's the parable, and here's the first truth. God values actions more than intentions. God values actions more than intentions. The literal meaning of this parable, well, there's a dad and there's two sons. The first son says, no, I don't wanna go work after the dad clearly says, go work in the vineyard today. Go work today. And the first son says, no, then changes his mind and works it and gets it done. Then second son, dad says the same thing, go work work in the vineyard today. So clear, go work today. The second son says, oh, yes, I will. Yes, I will. And doesn't do any of the work. And Jesus asked the question, which of the two did what the father wanted? And everyone knows it's the first son. Jesus brings parables with very clear and obvious answers. And everyone knows the answer. And he does that because an obvious answer is gonna drive home the point. And there's two sons, there's the contrast, there's the obvious answer. Talk is not a bad thing. Talk is important, talk has value. Build people up with your words. Affirm people with your words. Encourage people with your words. Lead people to Jesus with your words. Share your story with your words. Talking is not a bad thing. It has its place. But it's a lesser thing than talking and backing it up with action. It's less to just talk than to actually be faithful. Jesus highlights this over and over again in scripture. John chapter 14, verse 21, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. I wanna make it abundantly clear today that you start a relationship with God through grace and undeserved gift and through faith. It's not earned, 0% earned. Once you put your trust in Jesus, sometimes we downplay actions and actually living that out. And growth is tied to our actions. Jesus says, you will know who loves me by their actions. How they obey me. You don't have to guess who loves me. You'll see it in their actions. That's what he says boldly, very clearly. Now, John hears this, Gospel of John. John continues to write, 1 John chapter 2, verses three and five. We know that we have come to know him if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands is a liar, and the truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. John continues in chapter three, verse 18. This is still in the book of 1 John. Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Has anyone ever loved you with their words, but not their actions? They're saying one thing and they're doing something very different. That's not real love. Real love is both words and actions. And then 1 John chapter five, verses two and three. This is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this is love for God to keep his commands and his commands are not burdensome. To do what God tells you to do, it's not burdensome. In fact, there's freedom in obedience. There's freedom in faithfulness. There's joy, there's peace in faithfulness. And I think Jesus and also John have been around enough religious settings with religious talk and religious intentions that they start to get a little fed up. I think Jesus at this point is seeing how ridiculous it is to have religion on the outside and miss the reality on the inside. And he's saying, I'll tell you real clear how it goes. You see someone who says they love me and you look at their life and you can tell this is really off track. I'll tell you the truth, they don't really love me. They don't really love me. They've got all the words and everything on the outside, but if you look at their life and the actions aren't there, they just don't love me because you'll know they love me by the way they live. That's how you'll know and it'll be evident. There's good fruit and there's bad fruit and you will know them by their fruit. The fruit doesn't lie. How many people have taken a bite of some bad fruit before? You don't say, oh, this is great fruit. Do you want some? No, you know them by the fruit. And helping us sort through in so much confusion spiritually what is going on. Jesus makes it so clear. Here we have religious people with smooth talk. You ever been around religious people with smooth talk? Yeah. Woo, they can really make it smooth. And then also, these people listening to Jesus, they have official positions. Not only do they have official positions and also smooth talk, they have won the Bible quiz for the last 29 years. <laughs> You just can't beat those Pharisees in the Bible quiz. So they're the Bible quiz champions. They've got the smooth talk. They've got the official positions. You know what's really overrated is just telling people what they wanna hear. That's overrated. uh, overrated. You know what else is overrated? A bunch of fluff. You know what else is overrated? A bunch of spiritual talk that doesn't have any action behind it. You know what else is overrated? Is it when someone says, I've got it, and they really don't. When someone is, uh, has all the right intentions, but there's just no fruit and no actions to back it up. Jesus is saying all of that is very overrated. And the bottom line is, did you get it done? Were you faithful? Jesus called, did you believe and did you act in faith? Did you get it done? Were you faithful? That's all that's going to matter at the end of our days. And I like to think about soccer a lot because that was a big passion in my life, Uh, still kind of is. And uh, I think soccer is just a platform to learn about life. If you teach chemistry or biology, I think that's just a platform to learn about life. If you teach piano, piano is just a platform to learn about life. If you work in the corporate world, that's just a platform to teach others and grow in life. And so soccer had a lot of truth to it that I think carries over to life. And one thing I noticed in soccer is that there's a lot of stuff that just doesn't matter that much. It just doesn't matter that much how much someone bench presses or does in their bicep curls. It just doesn't matter that much what brand is on their uniform or who their sponsor is. It doesn't matter what that uniform really looks like and what the designs are. That doesn't matter that much. It just doesn't matter how much someone warms up and how good they look in the warmups. It doesn't matter how much someone juggles or the coolest tricks that they have that they can do and that looks good on the YouTube videos. That, That just doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how someone talks about the game before the game. It doesn't matter how many people are in the stands or how big the crowd is. I could go on and on about things that don't matter in soccer. What matters is when you get on the field, what happens? And as a goalkeeper, it's just, do I keep the ball to the back of the net or do I not? It wasn't about what shirt I have. It wasn't about this or that. It's a bottom line. What are you doing on the field? Are you on the field and what are you doing there? That's what matters in soccer. And there's a whole bunch of religious stuff that impresses and kind of looks good on the outside, but we know there's a heart to this thing and Jesus will get right to the heart of it. Jesus was all about faithfulness. Look through the scriptures, all about faithfulness. John chapter four, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. My food is to do the will of him who sent me. John chapter 17. Father, I brought you glory by finishing the work that you've called me to do. In the garden of Gethsemane, not my will be done, but your will be done. Faithful to the Father. That's what Jesus is all about. And that's the legacy that we inherit. Now that shouldn't put all this pressure on us, but that should drive us to the realization that I can't do it in my own strength. Not by might, not by power, but by your Holy Spirit. The ones who are faithful are not the ones that try extra hard to be extra impressive. No, the ones who are faithful are the ones who say, I can't do it, God, but come and help me and fill me and lead me and guide me and empower me and I'll be willing and surrendered to do whatever you want me to do, God. And I'm saying, yes, no matter what the results are, I'm going to trust you with the results. And you know, there's three reactions in Jerusalem at this time, Matthew chapter 21. There's some who want Jesus to leave the region, leave the city and leave the earth and they're gonna kill him. And there are people in Auburn right now that want Jesus to leave the region. There's a second reaction that the second group is the one that gives him all the lip service. They even give some thanks to God and they have lip service and they say Hosanna and they say the right religious things and they know the Bible verses and they've got the lip service, but they're not really gonna follow through. And then there's another group that calls him Lord and they're gonna live for him no matter what the cost and it's gonna be bold and sacrificial and full of love. And those three groups in Auburn, those three groups are here today. Those three groups in Auburn Leave the region, Jesus. Jesus, will give you some shallow lip service. Or Jesus, you're the Lord, and we're gonna live for you. And I encourage you to think through today. Where are you? Which group are you in? Where do you wanna be? Jesus said, you'll know them by their fruit. A good tree can't bear bad fruit. And a bad tree can't bear good fruit. So here's the key, abide with Jesus. Amen. Abide with Jesus, and you will bear much fruit. That's a promise from God. Our role is to abide, trust, be close, listen to, honor, rely on Jesus. And you know what's gonna happen? There's gonna be crazy, incredible, wonderful fruit in your life. Abide with Jesus is the call. Don't get too caught up in sin or performance. That's not the path. Go to Jesus, abide with him, and you will bear much fruit. Now, as Jesus is very direct and straightforward, Here's another truth. If you follow Jesus, then keep your word. If you follow Jesus, if you're a Jesus follower, then keep your word. In the Old Testament, there were vows throughout the Old Testament, and this was a big deal. The vows that people would make in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 23, starting in verse 21, we read, if you make a vow to the Lord your God, do not be slow to pay it, for the Lord your God will certainly demand it of you, and you will be guilty of sin. But if you refrain from making a vow, you will not be guilty. Whatever your lips utter, you must be sure to do because you made your vow freely to the Lord your God with your own mouth. Ecclesiastes chapter five, verses four through six. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to fulfill it. He has no pleasure in fools. Fulfill your vow. It is better to not make a vow than to make one and not fulfill it. Do not let your mouth lead you into sin and do not protest to the temple messenger. My vow was a mistake. Why should God be angry at what you say and destroy the work of your hands? Vows unto the Lord, unto other people. This second son, he, he sure sounds good to the father. Well, in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 14, like clouds and wind without rain is one who boasts of gifts never given. One who talks a lot about what they're gonna do and makes a lot of promises and doesn't deliver just doesn't bring the refreshment. It's like, where is it? Where's the rain? Where's the blessing? Where's the goodness? Where's the refreshment? Don't let that be your character. Now, in the New Testament, uh, you don't see the vows, and we don't have vows we make unto God, and there's a shift in emphasis. And in the New Testament, the focus Jesus brings is that we are people who keep our word, We keep our word. In Matthew chapter five, verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So we don't need to have extensive public vows that we make, we give our word and we keep our word. If we say yes, it's yes. If we say no, it's no. And then similarly in James chapter five, verse 12, above all my brothers and sisters, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth or by anything else, All you need to say is a simple yes or no, otherwise you will be condemned. Keep your yes, keep your no. That's at home, at work, at church. If you say you're going to do it, do it. If you say you're going to be there, be there. Don't let it be your character that you got a great game, you talk, and everything sounds nice, but the action doesn't back it up. And we all struggle with that. There's not a person in the room who doesn't struggle with that. But God's calling us to step up and to grow. And uh, you probably know, people that are around you, if you really boil it down, you have discernment. God gives it to you. And you just know, when someone says they're going to do something, you know the people that you would say definitely are going to do it. You've got some definitely people in your life. When they say they're gonna do it, you just know definitely that's done. I don't even worry about it. it case closed, it, I can bank on it, definitely. And then you've got some probably people in your life. Well, they said they would do it, mm, probably, mm, hope so. And then you've got some maybe people in your life. Oh, I, I really don't know. I, I, If I remind them a bunch, they might get upgraded to a probably, but it's a real maybe. And then you got some people in your life, it's like, eh, not really, not really. And you just have that because you've been around these people. You've experienced their talk. You know the reality. You know how it plays out. It's not new. You've got some definitely people, some probably people, some maybe people, and some not really people. And you've got to choose carefully, whether you're at work or home or at church, who you're going to entrust. Who Where's your heart going to go? Because you don't want to put your heart out there for a maybe person, right? I'm going to be faithful to you. Well, is that a probably? Is that a maybe? Is that a definitely? Like, I need to know the person before I invest. trust my heart. And so that's a reality in our relationships that's all the time. Psalm 15, verse four, keep your word even when it hurts. That's an honorable person, a person who's worshiping God. It says, keeps their word even when it hurts. Now um, I'll say this, excuses are so common and popular. You've got your favorite excuses. Could we honor God today and just reject some excuses? C- could we stop saying COVID, 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 COVID. COVID's the reason I don't love people. COVID's the reason I don't serve. COVID's the reason I don't go to church. COVID's the reason I don't share my faith. COVID's the reason I'm not really living for God. COVID's the reason we don't have any victory. COVID, COVID, COVID. If I've heard that excuse a thousand times, can, can we just say Jesus is greater than COVID? <laughs> I just don't wanna come before God when my days are over and start muttering COVID, 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 COVID. I just don't think that's gonna fly too well. You got your own excuse. I could start playing on a lot of excuses and meddling. This is what I noticed. When I lived in Iowa, in the Midwest, loyalty was a strong value and you keep your word, even if the temperature drops to 20 below and 20 inches of snow are falling, you're gonna get over to that house and you're gonna bring that meal and you're gonna show up. And that was just Iowa. It, it, it had its you know, pros and cons uh, in other areas, but in terms of loyalty, it was so strong. Then when I got to Southern California, after we were married, I took a position in a church in Southern California and loyalty looked very, very different. Loyalty was like, hey, I'm gonna do it. Oh, unless something else better comes along. Loyalty, I'm gonna do it. Uh, Yeah, unless I don't feel like doing it that morning. I'm gonna do it. Unless my friends aren't gonna do it, then I'm not gonna do it. And I'm not just bashing Southern California in this generalization, but I'm saying all my loyalty expectations just kind of went, whoa, do I need to shift? Do they need to shift? Like, how do I process this? What I appreciate about Southern California is incredible creativity for the kingdom. And the creatives were thriving in a way I didn't see in Iowa. Sometimes in Iowa, it was just such a small box and you had to just stay in this box and there was, just wasn't room to spread your wings and thrive and creatives. And I, I stepped back from all that and you know, because you've been in different places and different places have their different strengths. Different cultures have their different strengths. Different churches have their different strengths. And I think sometimes it's okay to notice the difference and then step back and know that we're not bound to one place or culture, but in Christ, we can have all of this is yours in Christ. And I wanna say today, in Christ, you can be loyal and you can be be creative. You can have both in Christ. You can be dependable, you can be creative, and God will lead it and guide it. See, there's a victory in the Lord in this area. There's a victory in this area. You know, so often we focus in in a right way on the death of Christ because he died for our sins. And we should absolutely focus on the death of Christ. But that's half of our focus. The other half of our focus and the other half of the gospel is the resurrection of Jesus. And this is the victory that he overcame the grave and that Christ in us, the power of the resurrection is here every day. And if you get only focused on the cross, you might miss some of the victory of the resurrection. You know, I heard someone say it's popular today to focus on transparency and vulnerability. And that's very good. We need to be honest with each other at church. We need to be real and that's good. But if that's all we focus on, we just get stuck and well, this is the same transparent problem I've had every week. It's the same sin I'm doing every week and we don't ever experience the victory in the Lord, the freedom to break out of sins and the way out. So it's a both and. There's transparency and victory. There's the death, there's the resurrection. There's loyalty, there's creativity. And in this area, don't settle for less. If you're someone who's thinking, well, I just always had trouble keeping my word, then it's a new day today. Then it's a new day. God has grace and mercy. God wants to do a new work in your life. You're a truth teller, a promise keeper, and you're gonna honor the Lord. Your words and your actions are going to line up. You see, the truth is, it's easier to bring questions than contributions. It's easier to bring questions than contributions. Questions are good. Jesus asked questions. We need to ask questions. Research is a good thing, a very important thing. But sometimes we can question it to death. Have you ever seen a work of God questioned to death? Don't muzzle the ox when it's doing the work. Question it to death. Nehemiah, in the book of Nehemiah, was rebuilding the city and the wall. And there were those that opposed. There were those that undermined. There was those that wanted to question the work. And Nehemiah said, no, I'm not gonna step down from this wall to go down and do a bunch of nonsense talk. Your heart's not in the right place or you're not willing to work. Then I don't need to waste my time on sideways energy going that way because God is doing something too good right now to sit here and form a bunch of committees, analyze it, just try to shoot it down. I'm not doing that. I'm moving forward with God. You know, uh, Questioning. It can be very good, and it can be way over the top. And some questions are just downright negative. When the devil shows up in Genesis chapter three, well, did God really say? Just wants to bring that question to Adam and Eve. Did God really say that you can't eat from that tree over there? That you can't have that fruit? Did God really say? I mean, the word was clear. God was clear. The plan was clear. And the devil will throw in a, did God really say? You know, for Noah, there must have been those moments. Did God really say, do you have to build this boat? It's exactly how God wants it. Couldn't you just take a few shortcuts? Do you really need every animal? Why do you need two of every animal? There's never been a flood. I mean, did God really say to build this? You could question it, right? Moses, you could question it. Well, Moses is wondering, could you send someone else? Like, uh, God, did you pick the right person? Like, I don't talk as well as my brother Aaron. Like, I'm just questioning your call. I just have a lot of questions for you. Well, what about Gideon? God, did you give enough signs? God, is that sign clear? God, are there more signs? I've got more questions. No, Gideon, the call is clear. Well, the Red Sea is gonna part. Well, for for how long? I mean, do we know we can cross it? God, how are you holding up the Red Sea? I mean, I see it's parted, but should I cross it? Because I don't know. How are you holding it? God, scientifically explain it to me. God, if I start to go across the Red Sea, how long are you gonna hold it? If I I go and I'm not sure, and then I wanna come back, can I come back after a little while? Can I try it out and come back? God, how do I know you're gonna really keep this Red Sea parted the whole time? Why? Because he said it. Well, did, did God really say it? No, walking around Jericho. Okay, we, we have to walk all the way around. Do we have to do it again? Why seven days? I mean, it makes no sense. It's never been done this way before. I've never seen walls come this down this far. Do you see the questioning? You can question the thing to death. Jesus sends out the 72. Well, why can't we bring more stuff? Well, why won't it be easier? Well, will you guarantee me that there's um, full Wi-Fi at the hotel I stay in? Uh, you know, like... <laughs> We have so many questions when God moves. Sometimes we just question it to death. And research is good, but I think we hide behind intellectualism. We hide behind, it's really a lack of faith. It's really a lack of action. And it's really just that we wanna play it safe and we wanna be in control. And when that's the heart, we question things to death. And so what did God say? God said, when you work, work with all your heart. Work unto the Lord. Whatever you do, work with all your heart. Uh, We have family contributions with our kids. It just sounds better than chores, doesn't it? And uh, there was a quick sweep through the house for about four seconds, and then there was a claim that the kitchen swept. And, and, And I really didn't see any difference in the mess on the kitchen floor. And I just took that moment to say, whatever you do, do it unto the Lord. When you sweep this floor, do it unto the Lord. It doesn't matter if mom or dad are watching or not watching. Like when you do this, well, well, others, others in the house don't do it like that well, don't worry about others in the house. Like you do it unto the Lord and you sweep the floor so it's cleaned up and you do it unto God no matter who's watching. I mean, that's what the Bible says. The Bible even says, 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 10, this is gonna stun some of you for even when we were with you, we gave you this rule that the one who's unwilling to work shall not eat. That means if you can work, Listen, that's not talking about people looking for work that are in between jobs. No, we have a good Samaritan fund to help people in hard times. But this is just an attitude of like, I'm not going to work. I want everyone to serve me. And it says, well, if you're not going to work, you're not going to eat. I mean, there's just a lot that's really clear in the Bible. Uh, Give off the top to the Lord your first fruits. It, when you get a gift, when you get money, when you get a paycheck, it's not your middle fruits. It's not your later fruits. It's not your leftover fruits. Like it's your first fruits. You honor the Lord. Like the Bible's really clear. Tithe doesn't mean a ninth or an eighth or a 12. Like sure, you could give more, but it's just stuff that's clear in the Bible. What else is clear in the Bible? When you show up anywhere, you're there to serve, not be served. You're there to serve. That's just clear in the Bible. Wherever you go, you're there to serve. Turn to the person next to you and say, I'm here to serve. Turn the other direction and say, I'm here to serve too. Hey, we're all here to serve. Imagine if every church, people just showed up instead of waiting to be served, they just said, I'm here to serve. Where's the need? What can we do? I mean, you heard the amount of kids in the next generation that God is bringing to our church. You know, if it's got your name on it, you just show up and say, I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve kids. What can I do? What can I do? Uh, You will know the disciples by their love. How are you doing loving the people in the room? How are you doing loving the people in the room? Do you listen to them, pray for them, encourage them, build them up, get to know them, hear their stories, rebuke them? Like, how are you doing with the people in the room? Love one another, that's how you'll know. My disciples, speak truth, speak the truth. Even when it's not popular, even when the culture doesn't applaud, even when people wanna cancel you, you speak the truth in love. The Bible is very clear. Followers of Jesus, they're gonna speak the truth. Share the gospel. Make disciples. This is the great commission. Make disciples. You're either making disciples or you're not really making disciples. Like, are you making disciples? Here's a wonderful praise. Uh, We've just seen what God's doing the last three years and our church just continues to grow. And the growth part is because, why? Lives are being transformed. People are coming to know Jesus, and God is doing something special here. The high school missions uh, trip that's coming up, didn't know how many high school students would want to go on missions trip. Like 25 signed up to be on a missions trip. Uh, we have... Um, <laughs> Last weekend, Resurrection Sunday, the people that are saying, yes, I want to walk with Jesus. Yes, I want this to be my church home. Yes, I want to get baptized. I mean, it, it's happening. Uh, you're inviting friends and family to grace. The, the digital ministry, we had an Easter outreach and over 9,000 people, it reached a million people with the gospel, going through all the gospel content, close to a million, and 9,000 indicated they want to follow Jesus for the first time. Applause uh, the international partners. You see, when all of us serve in different ministries, but when your heart is, yes, I want to make disciples, I want to be faithful, then God's going to work through you, even his power in your weakness, and he's going to do incredible things. And my encouragement to you is that when God leads you, just say yes. James chapter 4, and if anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it's a sin for them. So let's step out of sin, let's say yes to God. God's been leading you to do some things, then move forward in faith. Don't keep questioning things to death, but instead build up the kingdom of God. And that is the fruit of faithfulness. Now let's, the end of this parable is the root. And this is where Jesus He turns up the heat. I don't know how else to say it. Jesus turns up the heat with the crowd who's watching because with a tree, there's what's visible and then there's what's underneath the ground. And there's the fruit above And then there's the roots, the whole root system underneath. The root system can be as wide and long almost as the tree sometimes. And so there's a lot underneath the surface that's happening. And Jesus is not one to just talk about above the surface. Jesus is one to talk about the root and the heart and at the crux of what's really going on. So this is where he goes with the parable. After saying the difference between the two sons, now he says in verse 31, which of the two did what his father wanted? The first, they answered, Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth, the tax collectors and the prostitutes are entering the kingdom of God ahead of you. For John came to you to show you the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe him. It wasn't a mistake that Jesus said the word prostitutes twice and the prostitutes are ahead of you religious folk. That was not an accident. Jesus is meddling on purpose right here. He is calling, he is meddling, and he is saying the kingdom is greater than empty religion. The kingdom of God is greater than empty talk and just some good intentions. That's not the kingdom that Jesus leads. And faithfulness is missing because faith is missing. You can't have faithfulness without faith. And on the deepest level, people weren't really listening to Jesus and honoring Jesus. So they thought they would skip Jesus and his words and just make their religion look pretty on top of that. And Jesus, at this point, I think is disgusted with that approach and what that represents and reflects. And so he turns up the heat. He brings it real clear. John the Baptist came. He said to repent and turn from sins and turn to God. But you all weren't humble and you don't see the repentance happening in the religious circles you see a lot of self-righteousness. And then Jesus came and he said, believe and trust, but you're not abiding, you're not trusting. You see, there are decisions of the soul that are much deeper than your words and your attitudes. There are decisions of the soul that then lead to the right words and actions and attitudes. And if those decisions of the soul aren't happening, if the humility is not there in the soul, it's not gonna bear the fruit in your life. It starts with the humility in the soul that the outward piety those religious people just didn't have. And so this was stunning, stunning to hear the Messiah say these words. Stunning to those who outwardly looked so good and spiritual and religious. To those who outwardly just told everyone that they're on board. Those who outwardly kind of thought they have it together and they have it figured out. On the outward, that was the crowd. Jesus infuriates them. Jesus infuriates them. We don't say that very often, do we? Jesus infuriates people today when he challenges dead and empty religion. People will die for their empty religion but Jesus is calling them to something greater, to life. And as he does that, he brings a parable with an obvious answer. One guy doesn't seem responsive to God, realizes it, repents, faithful. Another guy talks a great game, got some great answers, some really good intentions, and that's about all he's got. So which guy, which guy, which guy? which guy? And everyone in the crowd knows the first son, the first son. Why does Jesus make it so obvious? Because there's so much opposition and resistance. He does this with the good Samaritan. All right, there's a priest, there's a Levite, religious leaders, there's someone in need. They walk by on the other side. Oh yeah, they're on the other side. And then here comes a Samaritan. What does he do? He crosses the road, cares for, pays the bill at the hotel, continues to care for. Now, let me just ask you, which one was the neighbor? See, because the religious folks said, well, who's my neighbor? If the most important thing is to love my neighbor, well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus said, well, let me break it down this way. The priests and the Levites, other side of the street, the Samaritan comes up close and cares. You tell me which one. Super obvious, super, super obvious. Jesus makes the answers to some of these parables so obvious, so there's no room to hide, so you can't miss it, so it's right here, and they can still decide to rebel and be religious, but Jesus is trying to lead them to a very clear, life-giving truth. And he's stirring, and he's challenging. You know, as I think about America right now, here's a report from the Wall Street Journal that America is pulling back from the values that once defined it. That's the headline. And in their poll, they compared 25 years ago to today. Patriotism has dropped from 70% to 38%. And they said in terms of faith, spiritual life, religion, those who say it's very important 25 years ago, 62%. Today, 39%. In addition, these values have significantly dropped. Having children... Involvement, serving in the community, and hard work are all values that have significantly dropped. The only priority that has really grown in their survey is how important is money. And it's jumped from 31 to 43%. Money has become more important to people. But this is true with every age group, including seniors. Younger age group, 18 to 29, it's more pronounced Uh, But overall, all age groups show the same result. When I read that, I thought of the second son. And I just don't want our country to be the second son that says, in God we trust, one nation under God. We're a Christian nation, but what's really happening in the reality? And I think those numbers point us back to say it's time to return to Jesus. If this message and this parable has convicted you, I just wanna say it's time to come back to Jesus. Jesus is asking who's gonna follow me and it's the tax collectors and the prostitutes that are responding. It's not always the people who you think are ready. It's not always the people who you think that are gonna say yes to Jesus. Tax collectors and prostitutes Are ahead. The woman at the well had five husbands. Jesus brought living water to satisfy her soul. She got it. She followed Jesus. She told her community and she led people to Jesus. Five husbands. She got it. The professional disciples didn't. The man in Mark chapter 5 who had the demons inside of him. Jesus set him free from the demons. All these religious people said, Jesus, leave the city. The man who had the demons, he got it. He went around the Decapolis, starting with his family in the 10 cities, making disciples, making disciples. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. God's guiding us to faithfulness. And Jesus is calling. You'll never go deeper than obedience. Knowledge is not the end goal. Knowledge should inspire us towards obedience, but you never go deeper than obedience. Jesus is is calling with a deep conviction, talkers and doers, those who will abide, because that's where it starts. There's no faithfulness without faith. Jesus is calling. I want to invite the uh, elders right now to come forward. And I want you to think about how is Jesus calling you today? Is he calling you to put your trust in him for the first time? Is he calling you to get baptized? Is he calling you to repent? In James chapter five, it says, confess your sins, repent, experience healing. In James chapter five, it says, if you're physically sick, come forward for prayer, for healing. This is a moment right now where we meet with God. Our hearts are laid bare. What is Jesus saying to you today? What is he calling you to do? And then James chapter five is clear. Come forward, receive prayer, receive prayer. Let me pray. Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you, Jesus, for the times that you're very direct because we need that tone in our walk with you. God, I pray where there's a good conviction today, there would be a great response. I pray where the accuser wants to come in today, that there would be reassurance and comfort. God, we pray right now for those who have been sick for your healing. We pray for those who have drifted far away to return home. God, we pray for repentance in this place. We pray for unity in this place. God, we wanna walk with you in integrity in our hearts, in our words, in our actions, consistently, passionately. God, do a work in us right now. Guide this prayer time, we pray, in Jesus' name.